today's guest fell in love with interior design and specifically space planning when she built her own home. Let's find out how she turned that passion into her own career. Welcome to the Hubcast, brought to you by the Interior Designers Hub, where we help and support interior designers to get trained, get into the industry, and to grow wildly successful businesses. If you want to work in the field you love, create the lifestyle you desire, and make the money you truly deserve, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Kate Hatherall. Let's get into it. I am really excited to welcome Emily Coles to the Hubcast today. Hi, Emily. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. Amazing. Thank you very much for coming on to the Hubcast today. It's really great to have you here. Great to be here. So tell us a little bit about your business. Where are you based and what sort of thing do you do? Um, so I'm based in southwest London near Wimbledon, in a little place called Rains Park. Um, and I specialise in residential interior design, um, particularly with focus on space planning, problem solving. Um, so for example, uh, clients might be doing um, an extension to their home and just struggling to figure out how they can get all the elements in, then I can help with that. Um, and I also offer lighting design as well as full design schemes, but my specialism would be space planning. Amazing. And um, is is interior design something that you've always done or is this something that's newer to you? Uh, no, I've not always done it, uh, although I wanted to as a child. Okay. Um, I think probably one of my earliest memories is um, pretending to be sick from school when I was about six or seven <laughs> so that I could stay home and rearrange the living room to uh, a way I thought would be better than how my parents had it arranged. <laughs> that, is a, that is a child after my own heart. <laughs> um, yeah and then through my teenage years um, I remember helping a really close friend uh, redesign their kitchen that they were building a house um, so it's always kind of been there in the background. I studied art and technical drawing at school um um but I guess there what I what I didn't have really is a a lot of um role models in the design world to kind of know what that looked like so I grew up in Dubai and Cyprus so my secondary school years were in Cyprus and um interior design is probably changing now but but back then um and still still today interior design is often done by the architect it's yeah. kind of a, a, you know, the architect will, will finish. There, were, there wasn't really a interior design specialism that I could see growing up around me. Mm. Um, but I was really intrigued and um, it was something I wanted to study. And I went to university to study art and design. Mm. I did my foundation year, which you have to do before you do your art degree. And I was thinking, right, this is my road into interior design. Yeah. Um, but on my foundation year, we didn't do anything related to interior design and I think it was just kind of that nerves of or oh, is this what I really want to commit to for the next three years yeah. um so I went in a complete different direction and studied human communications instead okay what's <laughs> um, that like a psychology um, type, type thing yeah psychology sociology linguistics um uh counseling lots of forms of communication yeah, yeah. really interesting loved it um, but there was still that kind of niggle in the background that, you know, wasn't fulfilling my design dream. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and it was actually later on I um, another another thing that I loved doing um, as a teenager and into my twenties was was photography. Right. And um, so I did work as a photographer for a few years, um, but once having kids, photography is a really tricky one because all of the weddings and events and sort of big things are, are after school evenings, weekends. Yes. And it, whilst I loved doing photography, it wasn't going to fit with how I wanted my family to run. And that was quite an important consideration in, in what I then went on to do next. Yeah. And um, when you kind of, so you'd studied the human communications, did you then um, go and pursue that further or did you go straight into the photography after you'd finished your studying? No, after studying, I worked for a leadership development company, um, started out as a personal assistant, moved on to being a project manager. Um, it was a small business, so I kind of became a business manager within a sort of three or four years. Um, and it was from that job. I was doing photography on the side for friends. I was photographing friends' weddings as favours. I was doing friends' babies' christenings and all sorts. And it got to a point where I was doing it quite a lot. And I knew that I loved it. And I decided to take that leap into doing it full time. Amazing. Yeah. So then you, um, the, the children came along. And at what point did you say, right, OK, now I'd like to go back to you know, pursuing that idea of, of being an interior designer? Was there like a defining moment or was it just something that you kind of sort of found yourself becoming more interested in, in again? I think I found myself becoming more interested in again after, I mean, I, I didn't work for uh, most of my kids' primary school years. So yeah. I, I stopped when my first son was born and I thought by the time they get into secondary, I want to be getting back into what I would like to pursue and I knew that when they were at secondary school I would have a few more hours in the day as well um so I I did sort of do a little bit of looking around what 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 are the things that I'm drawn to and interior design kept coming back and especially because I had wanted to study it when I was 18 and I just never actually did um so I I decided to to kind of throw myself all in and study interior design and that's what I did um but my timing wasn't brilliant because just as I began my studies we began building a house oh wow and uh <laughs> it was it's probably the one of the best things I've ever done we built a German flat pack eco house which um was just an incredible experience and so my studies sort of went on the back burner for a couple of years while we went through this whole process and we were nearby at the time of the build and so I was just on site every single day involved in all the little decisions you know I found it exciting I didn't find it stressful at all which I know a lot of people find house builds or extensions really stressful and it kind of just solidified for me that this is something I love doing and I would build another house tomorrow if I could but, I, you know, I, don't, probably... I don't think there are many people that would say that most people that no, you there's, probably, there's probably not and when people tell me that they're doing an extension or they're building a house I go oh 
can you send me your plans you know I'd love to look through the floor plans <laughs> I, I, totally, <laughs> I, where it is or... I totally relate to that because I had a similar experience when we built quite a large extension on our house and I was just absolutely fascinated by the whole process so I totally totally get that yeah. and seeing that transformation come to life is just incredible so yeah. So you built this house and I mean, that must have given you a huge amount of practical knowledge as well. It was fantastic because I did pick up my studies again after that. And every project that I had to complete, I could draw on what I had just done. Um, for, for Not necessarily for the design finishes, but for things like again space planning things like how much space you need in a bathroom between you know the toilet and the sink you know we'd just been through everything in in minute detail um uh and, and again like the the lighting design you know how far apart do you want your um downlights to be if you have downlights or how many pendants or you know again we'd just been through the whole process so that really uh helped uh my studies as I was completing all my projects and uh you know the 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 knowledge that I'd gained just to draw on that and uh it was really really helpful yeah amazing and I think a lot of people actually do it the other way around don't they where they're studying first and then they get to see what it's like in real life but to do it the other way around kind of brings your studies to life because you've got that real world experience that you can relate to as you're studying it yes and it gave me the confidence to to know that I do enjoy doing this because I've done it I don't have to worry that you know if I get onto a, a building site or I look at somebody else's floor plan that I'm going to go oh this is dull <laughs> because I don't I do genuinely find it exciting and I know a lot of people don't so yeah. I kind of hope that what I can bring is you know helping people in areas that they may not enjoy doing but I do yeah absolutely so um so the house um is is built or is um in the process of being built and you go back to doing your studies at what point did you think right okay now i'm going to turn this into a business did you have the house built the studies done or did it kind of merge into one kind of thing at the same time um the house was built the studies continued through the wonderful lockdown era um <laughs> so there was a lot of time to you know, because the studies took three years. So th there was quite a lot of time along the way to work out. And also each each section of my studies made me realise, oh, I don't like this area as much, but I do really enjoy this area. And so as I was going through, I could say, okay, when I knew I was going to, you know, set up some kind of business, uh, initially I didn't know exactly what, but as I went through, it became clearer you know, with each each project I did, each area that I worked on, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, this is the kind of thing I want to do. Um, and so I I set up just before I qualified, just to be ready. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was around that time that uh I got in touch with you, or you got in touch with me over um Instagram, and I found the hub, which was incredible because my studies were online and it was quite isolating yes. so you know to have a community around you especially in those early stages of setting up a business um you know I don't think I would have got everything set up and worked out at the rate that and the pace that I did if it hadn't been for for the hub community being there which was brilliant 
Amazing. And they, they are pretty awesome. At, um, you know, kind of wrapping their arms around everybody and um, encouraging them, you know, to take the next step. And it's that reassurance as well, isn't it? When you don't really know what you're doing, that it's going to be okay. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the imposter syndrome is just there all the time. You know, especially when you're new, you're, you're kind of setting up thinking, well, why would anyone hire me? Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's people around here who've done it a lot longer. And of course, there will always be. Um, but you know, all of those kind of mindset gremlins were beaten out of me. By... <laughs> Sad we by... didn't beat people. No, quite lovingly. <laughs> lovingly beaten out of you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was fantastic, actually. And yeah, made a huge difference because each step of the way, I also now recognise if anything comes up, how I'm feeling. Yes. Um, I kind of go back to to the training that I've had through you um which is more the kind of psychological kind of training in you know where where you start where you set out uh who you want to be where you position yourself yeah um yeah and i i do think you know that it is all of those things like you know you mentioned about the imposter syndrome and there's that you know feeling that you're comparing yourself to other people and that you don't compare yourself favorably and that who am i to be doing this and all of those things those, those scripts that we kind of tell ourselves you can get a handle on them and you can move past them and you can get out there and you can get your business up and running and you'll find that they creep back in sometimes and oh all the time yeah, yeah. and then you yeah. don't find if you don't ever banish them for forever um but just being more mindful of them and knowing that you've met them before and how to recognize them and how to move forward even though they're there is kind yeah. of the key to you know being successful and, and moving forwards absolutely and um the the whole perfectionism thing uh, I'm aware of it all the time because you know I don't want to send an email unless I've read it 15 times or you know don't want to submit a presentation unless I've checked it 10 times you know uh, uh, those kind of fine-tuning things at some point you've just got to go no this is done I'm okay move on yeah. and um yeah absolutely. yeah so Okay. And um, so obviously you, you, you know, you got through that, you, you tackled those mindset gremlins and you got out there and you did set up your business. How did you um, get your first client? How, was that somebody that you knew or was it a paying client? How did they come to you? Yeah, I've been really fortunate in that all the clients I've had over the past sort of nearly two years now I've been running um, have all been word of mouth. I think there's only one who's come to me completely cold um and so my very first client were friends and they were waiting for me they said we we've, we've got this this work and let us know when you're up and running because we want you to do it um and it involved a lot of space planning for an extension etc so um that was wonderful amazing um, yeah and uh, and just through various friends family word of mouth etc um yeah I've I've got one client who then recommended me to somebody else somebody else and, and that's mostly how it's come about amazing and I I you know I continue to see this time and time again that most work comes in through word of mouth and that um, a lot of people start by doing a project for friends or family and then it does expand beyond there do you yeah. do you use any other marketing tactics at all no, I had good intentions, <laughs> but then the work came in and I thought, okay, I'll do that later. I'm on Instagram um, and that's probably the main thing I use. Um, I'm 
not great at posting regularly. Uh, <laughs> <Who is>? But <laughs> um, one or two people have have found me through there or have been told about me and have gone through Instagram to, to sort of check me out, or, I suppose, um, before contacting me. Um, so Instagram is probably the main place that I would post anything about my work or, or what I'm doing. I've obviously got a website as well, but I think nowadays the website isn't always the first thing people see you know they hear about you first or they see you on social media and then they will check out your website i i agree i think they hear about you elsewhere and then they go to check you out um on your website and i do i still maintain that a website is really important because it's like your home place and it's where people want to go and just reassure themselves that you're the real thing um and that you know they can read about you and your services and just reassure themselves before they make contact absolutely and you're going in somebody's home and you are you know kind of getting to know them fairly well and you know often my role ends up kind of between maybe uh, a couple maybe one might want one thing one want one other thing and it's almost like a um I wouldn't go as far as say as marriage counseling but you know sort of you know you're kind of buffering you're weighing up different people's expectations and and what they like and you're getting to know people really well and you're in their home and you're you're kind of making this the, the, the space they're going to live for years to come um and so you want to know the person that's coming into your home is a legitimate but also friendly and easy to get on with and all of those other things so and that's why i think word of mouth is is so important in, in this kind of industry uh, and, and why it works so well because someone wants to know that you know someone else has recommended them they've used them they can vouch for them yeah and um interestingly what you say there about you know because we when people are thinking about coming into the industry they're thinking about their design skills and about how they can pull a scheme together and about how they can choose colors and do the space planning and all of those things but actually as you've just said there a large part of the job there actually is about getting to know people understanding what motivates them Yes, having to do perhaps some mediation between couples, all of those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And I guess thinking about what you were saying about your journey, about how you've got to where you are today, if you had have taken that journey when you were 18, if you had have gone to study it straight away, I just wonder, do you think you may have had the skills then to be able to do that? Or do you think the time of doing other things has perhaps provided you with those skills that enhance the way you're able to cope with those things now? one of those sliding doors situations isn't it yeah, um uh, both I think there's part of me that thinks oh I wish I'd done this when I was 18 because I probably would have started out in a big interior design studio and learned from people you know who were more qualified more experienced and sort of been around that environment having said that I love everything that I have done in my life so far. I love my first job. It's where I met my husband. So I wouldn't be right where I am today had I not taken that route. Um, uh, I loved working as a photographer. And so I just think I don't regret anything I'd done. There's part of me that sort of kicks myself at 18 going, oh, why didn't you just go and do it? Yeah. Um, But I don't think I would undo anything that I've done because, you know, your various life experiences get you to where you are. And the people I've met along the way, the experiences I've had along the way, I've loved all of it. And I would not want to change that. 
Amazing. And I do think, you know, there are so many skills that you gather along the way, no matter what you do, that come into play. And I think interior design is such a multifaceted thing. It isn't just about making things look nice. There are so many other things. And I do think you bring all of those skills from other walks of life with you and that that experience is always going to be, you know, of benefit to you in the role. Absolutely. And I think probably those other skills play a much larger part in running a business than we ever kind of realise. Yeah, I quite yeah. Agree, quite agree. So if you um, could speak to somebody that was thinking about making the change now, what would your advice be to them? Well, I'd say it's never too late um, to change career in your 40s is quite normal. A lot of people do it. Um, so it's never too late. Um, I would also say that designing for yourself and designing for a client are two very different things. So I guess my word of advice would be, do you love doing it um, for yourself? Do you enjoy it at home? Or do you really want to make a career out of it? which are two very different things. And I think I learned that lesson the most when I was working as a photographer. I absolutely love photography. But the minute you're photographing somebody's wedding, which is the most important day of their life, if you do something wrong, (laughs) the stress, you know, suddenly it's not you having fun anymore. It's actually taking on somebody else's life. um experiences you know so with interior design working for a client again um your clients will all be different they may not have exactly the same taste as you they may um um they may not always agree with you know designs you put forward so there's a lots of different elements to how you work with other people as opposed to you know doing up your own home so I think that's probably like a just a word of advice I would say is, is it a hobby or is it something you're passionate about doing for other people? Yeah, absolutely. That's really great advice. And I think a lot of interior design actually is about problem solving. Um, you know, there's a mm-hmm. large part of that, whether that's problems to do with how a project's running, a problem to do with how the space works or a problem to do with how your clients are communicating or you're communicating. I think there's far more problem solving involved almost than there is design work a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, Emily, thank you so much for coming and telling us about your journey. And um, I'm I'm going to be forever jealous, I think, of you having had the opportunity to build your own house. I would absolutely love to do that. Um, But, you know, what an amazing experience to have had. And I'm so glad that it, you know, continued to kind of inspire you to go into that and to get where you are today. Um, Before you go, would you be happy to play a game of designer this or that with me? I would love to amazing all right so i'm going to put a minute on the clock Uh, i'm going to give you two options and you just have to choose whichever one you prefer as quickly as possible without overthinking it all right okay okay here we go scandi or boho boho spots or stripes stripes maximalist or minimalist maximalist dark or light oh light (laughs) neutral or colorful Colourful. Blinds or curtains? Curtains. Formal or casual? Casual. Coordinated or eclectic? Eclected. Coastal or country? 
Coastal. SketchUp or AutoCAD? SketchUp. Yeah. Dining chairs or a dining bench? Ooh, both. Uh, chairs. Pendants or lamps? Lamps. Open plan or individual rooms? Open plan. Pink or green? Green. <laughs> vintage or new? Uh, vintage. Cushions on bed or no cushions on bed? Oh, yes. <laughs> Dulux or Valspar? Valspar. Uh, Tiles or wood? Wood. Smooth or textured? Textured. Leather or vegan? Leather. Glam or rustic? Rustic. Carpet or hard flooring? Hard flooring. Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen or Kelly Hoppen? Oh, <laughs> Kelly Hoppen. Amazing. All right. And that is our time up. Emily, thank you so much for playing designer this or that. Some really nasty choices in there today. I know, there were. <laughs> Brilliant. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Can um, I ask you how people can get in touch with you if they're kind of locally based and they'd be interested in working with you? Sure. My website is uh, emilycoles.com. And my Instagram is emilycoles underscore interior design. Amazing. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on the Hubcast today and sharing your journey. And I'm sure that it's going to inspire lots of other people to um, go out there and to just do it and um, to make the decision and to transform your life just like you have as well. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into Hubcast by the Interior Designers Hub. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a screenshot and share it to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite social media channel. Make sure to tag me in at Interior Designers Hub and let me know what you enjoyed about this episode. I reply to each and every comment. I'd also like to offer you an incredible free gift, which is going to show you the exact roadmap that you need to take to become a wildly successful interior designer. It shares our secrets to business success. If you'd like to get your hands on that, head on over to interiordesignershub.co.uk forward slash roadmap right now. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.